Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the business of cannabis. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg talk with the CEOs, politicians, and cultural icons driving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Ann and Lewis talk to someone who can now officially be considered a friend of The Green Rush because this marks his second appearance on our show. Ellen Brockstein is founder of 420 Investor, a community of cannabis investors, as well as New Cannabis Ventures, one of the top sources on the internet for investment-focused cannabis news. Alan is a unique voice in the industry because he was the first investment professional to make a career out of covering the cannabis industry from an investor's perspective. When he speaks, investors listen. We hope you will too. Don't sit back, lean forward. And now, onto the show. Welcome back, Alan. Um, it's been, gosh, now seven, eight months since we last talked. Thank you so much for coming back and, and chatting with Ann and I. Uh, that's my pleasure. So this is like three years in cannabis, right? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> at least. At least, yes. You know, they say dog years. I mean, cannabis years are a lot rougher. Um, so back in November when we talked with you, um, you were really bullish on cannabis companies. Um, but And you said that we were in either the, the, the top of the first or the bottom of the first inning using a baseball analogy. Do you still feel the same way? Do you still feel it's extremely early or like dog years that the markets have evolved really, really quickly? Yeah, well, we're not in the first inning, that's for sure. And uh, I think a lot of my bullishness at, at, uh, a year ago, or not a year ago, in November was the, uh, you know, Partially because California was legalizing, I saw a trade ahead, and uh, and that played out really well until it didn't, obviously. <laughs> but uh, you know, the the markets caught fire in uh, late October when Canopy and Constellation announced their deal, and it kind of caught everybody off guard. And one one of the things that made me bullish was I I thought that that was a real big positive for the industry, and it was going to tell a lot of companies that if they want to get into the, the cannabis space, here, here's a way to do it. And, and, oh, by the way, you better move fast. And maybe it's not so ironic that today Molson uh, announced a deal with, uh, uh, well, they call themselves Hexo now, but it's still legally hydropothecary in Canada. So that that's the template, that whole Canadian thing. But we've seen a lot more of these cross-border deals. And uh, there's so much going on uh, in terms of interest shifting now into the United States. So we're, we're definitely... Uh, in later innings in Canada, I would say, and uh, very early innings all the way around the world. And then the U.S., I would say, is now coming out of preseason. Maybe that's the way I would uh, describe it. That's a great really baseball analogy. Good yeah. job mm. with that one. And by the way, we're, we're recording this on August 1st for, for everybody listening. There you the go. Day, the day after the Mets lost 25-4. to 4. But I oh digress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, wow. Lewis. So you no, get okay. like Come on. Uh, it's true. So can we talk a little bit about what what you think investors should do? And looking at Canada, for example. So 2018 has been a, a rough go for Canadian stocks. Companies like Aurora and Canopy um, have have had some some declines. What yep. do you why do you think this is? And, and what are you what should investors do? Yeah. So in Canada, I think uh, it's been very interesting. I've, I've actually not been surprised. Uh, I was a little surprised at the beginning of the year because uh, typically at the beginning of the year, uh, we see some softness in the Canadian LPs. And I thought this year that would be the case as well. And, and we went off to the races on day one. It, it got wrapped up in that whole California 
legalization thing and there was a mutual fund. There still is a mutual fund. The symbol's MJ. And you had basically a, a bunch of uninformed investors thinking they were investing in California, but really buying this silly mutual fund that was 50% LPs. And so uh, that, that kind of got us off to an interesting start this year. And what we've seen is the same thing we seem to see every year, a lot of supply. And I think that's been the story this year. And uh, we've seen a lot of equity capital raised in Canada. Uh, and then there have been some other issues as well. Uh, we've seen uh, some delays. You know, most recently it wasn't that big. But if you go back to the beginning of the year, people really thought that the legalization was going to launch, you know, by July 1st. And it was right. by Labor Day. Now it's October 17th. And I got to tell you, it's nasty. So that's, this October 17th is nothing to celebrate. It's going to be scary. I've been saying that for a while. And, you know, my work shows not only is it going to be nasty because they don't have any stores open, there's no product. It's the biggest joke ever, but I digress. So you're asking what people should be doing. I think, uh, I think there was too much interest in, in this sector and uh, the prices just got too high. I mean, I know that sounds silly, but that's basically what happened. And so is that Canadian prices? I mean, should, oh, yeah, should, yeah. should, should they, the should they, yeah, so so should our should investors be looking more at companies like GTI or Ianthus yep. or the or, or the or, other or U.S. Ones companies? That are about to go public. Yeah. So I I've been what I've been saying. I'm not telling people what to do necessarily because I mean at Fort Investor, yes, I kind of do that, but I don't really tell them what to do. I share my thoughts and they do what they want to do. I don't think people should necessarily dump their Canadian holdings and go buy American. I I see something bigger going on. I see. Uh, a much bigger market with a lot more opportunity and, yes, more risk right now because of the regulatory uncertainty. But people are opening up to it. And really, the things changed in April. And uh, uh, that was when Gardner, Senator Gardner and uh, President Trump apparently came to this agreement. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, they've talked about it twice now. So we, it, it's only as good as it, as it appears to be. We'll see. That's the last tweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but no matter how important that ultimately turns out to be, it was a catalyst for a sea change in investor sentiment. And all of a sudden, everybody's waking up to the, this huge valuation gap. And I always tell people, uh, the U.S. companies, you know, on, on apples to apples comparisons, which don't really exist, by the way, should be cheaper because of things like 280E, federal illegality, lack of international opportunities. You know, it's a pretty long list of things. Lack of, how about lack of cross-state opportunity? Well, know? hey, I'm going to tell you something maybe your listeners don't understand. This exists in Canada, too. It's unbelievable. There you have a whole country, but it's broken down into all this provincial stuff. And you have to get your, your contract with Ontario. You have to get your contract with Quebec. It's, it's really, that's not as big a deal as you think it is. There's no advantage in Canada, even though there should be. They, they, for some reason, they've taken the worst of the U.S. Uh, the only thing the U.S. has better than Canada, from what I can tell, is a better product set. And actually, people say the dealing with the regulators in some states is a little bit easier than dealing with both Canada. So if you had to compare U.S. and Canada, would you say that um, the U.S. is more right-sized now, or given all the dysfunctionality you just mentioned? Right-sized, what do you mean? The I guess so, the valuations, yeah. No. So, well, okay, look, we're talking about relative. So no, the answer is no. On absolute, I'm like the last guy you want to say, what's the right value for GTI or MedMen? Because I'm going to always tell you probably that they're too high and then they're going to just keep going up probably. So uh, the CFA and me will give you one answer and then the 
the, the armchair psychologist will give you a different answer. <laughs> so that's the truth. So I think uh, to get back to your original question, what should investors be doing? And I'm not saying to dump Canada and buy the United States. The bigger trade here is uh, people who have been left behind. They didn't participate in the Canadian uh, uh, blow up in prices, the good, you know, when tin, tin baggers for these companies. They, they now see certain things about you can make money with cannabis stocks and and they can do it in their home market, which is nine times bigger than Canada. And a year ago, there weren't success stories in the United States. If you were to look, oh, my God, it trades in Canada. I don't know how to do that. Oh, wow. OTC. Forget that. So we have these stories now uh, where these companies like Canna Royalty, which is not a client, or uh, MPX or Ianthus, which are clients of mine, the new Canvas Ventures, where you can look at their stock chart over the last year or so, and you're like, wow, why didn't I own that? So I'm not saying they're necessarily going to buy that now, but when something like GTI comes along and they see, you know, how it was valued against MedMen, that's the way people think. And all of a sudden, now everybody wants in on the next deal. And I think that's where we are in the United States. So I'm not saying that people should take their money out of Canada and start speculating in the United States. They should maybe do both. And the bigger driver is not going to be that dynamic. It's going to be your parents, your cousin, your brother-in-law, whatever it is, uh, and believe me, I get these calls all the time, and saying, hey, you know, I, I heard about this company in the United States, what's going on? There's just a lot of excitement right now, and you know, the U.S. public markets for cannabis stocks are really small, if you think about it, and it's not like these companies are going to just magically grow to massive market caps. They're going to have to use their stock to make acquisitions, raise capital uh, to fund uh, build-outs of license. So it's not as, as easy as it sounds. But I, I think uh, I tell people this is the time to really uh, finally, we're here and you should be focused on the market. So there are a lot of companies that are in the U.S. that are either going IPO on, on the OTC or the CSE or they're going to back into shells through a reverse takeover. Which are the ones that you're most looking forward to for the rest of this year? So... Yeah, I, in, uh, in the United States, there are, I don't know if I want to name names because I have to be really careful for one reason. Some of these, it's not public yet and others, I, I, I don't, I don't like to say this is the most exciting when I haven't looked at every single deal. So, I Well, wanna, how about this? I'll throw out yeah. a couple of names yeah. for companies that have already announced that they're either yeah. going or, or sure. not. So, so I don't know the valuation on Acreage I'm not, Farms. Yeah, so Acreage Holdings is one. Acreage Holdings, sorry. Right. <laughs> that's a different company, so, Acreage Holdings. Yes. Acreage Holdings. Palliatech is, 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 is in the queue. Sure. Um, there's a company called Forefront, which yep. all th a client uh, of all, ours, yep. and they're yep. all all three happen to be clients of ours. But yep. but there are others, you know. There's, there's a lot of them. like there's yes. Grown Rogue out in in um, Oregon, yep. um, you know, Oregon, California, so, Nevada. Yep. Right. So there are a couple of these companies that that are either multi-state operators or or, or, or small regional. Yep. Yeah. So who? So who? I mean, you can yeah, name and I mean, I'll just not, put but... out there also. We have a client at New Campus Ventures, Cresco, out of Illinois. There's another company in out of Illinois. These three companies, all out of Chicago, Pharmacan. The, these are all very exciting companies to me. I, I don't want to pick which one's the most exciting. I will say, Acreage Holdings raising 119 million as a private placement kind of tells you where we are. Mm -hmm. So it, it's exciting in and of itself. Whether it's worth whatever the valuation is right now. I'm not even in a position to judge uh, with the information I have, but that's obviously exciting. The fact that you can you can take a company like Terratech, where the multiple the market cap right now is 
is just a little bit higher than what uh, uh, acreage raised in a private placement. So it just tells you that people are really excited. And I, 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 I spoke to a company yesterday. Uh, they're out of Michigan. And they have, I would call them one of these regional uh, players uh, uh, soon. And it just really opened my eyes that there are a lot of under-the-radar players that see this window open and, you know, they're going to either merge into companies or they're going to go public and try to be consolidators. We're going to see a lot more of that. I can't guarantee that people are going to make money on each and every one of these, but I think when you look out a couple years from now, you're going to say, wow, I could have bought Canopy Growth uh, two years ago today kind of thing for the United States. And we'll see who that is. Mm -hmm. I don't have the answer yet on who that is. So uh, speaking of mergers and acquisitions. You said that 2018 would be the year of M&A. Uh, it ha and it, it's, yeah, you're, you've proven to be correct. I got one right for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are you still bullish on M&A for this year or you think it's going to slow down or you think it's going to increase for 2019 yeah, or is it no, just too far to look out? Nope. I think it's going to be a continued big story. It's going to take um, many facets. Uh, we're seeing mergers of equals. We're seeing normal, uh, public, uh, to private type of consolidation, which is really the one I expect. The, these platforms in the United States, uh, there's several that are publicly traded, uh, and they, you know, like Iambus and MPX, uh, that are using their stock to do deals and, uh, and to buy uh, licenses or companies, and I think we'll see a lot more of that. Uh, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see GTI do some of that with uh, the recent capital raise. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot in the United States. I think in Canada, uh, we're starting to see maybe some more mergers of equals. Uh, uh, a good example would be Emblem, which uh, just announced uh, – well, that one wasn't so much equal. Better example No, but Aurora Apple. Med Relief is close to equal, right? Aurora Med Relief wasn't really equal, but it was big and big, yeah. 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 So, yeah, we've seen those types. I don't know if there's going to be any more uh, Aurora – type of acquisitions. Those have been very large deals consolidating the leaders. I expect to see more, like this Abcan deal is a great example. They, the deal hasn't closed, but they just announced it, I believe yesterday, that uh, they're buying a uh, private BC-based indoor grower. Uh, Abcan uh, is, is giving up uh, one-third of the combined company, and they're getting sales that are, you know, like seven or eight times their current sales. It's, you know, that's how you create value. Uh, in my opinion, by finding somebody, getting that private company valuation and using your public stock. I expect to see a lot more of that uh, uh, in Canada and in the United States. So so it's interesting. You know, it seems like almost all of the U.S. companies um, who are going public are, are going public on the, the Canadian Stock Exchange or, or the CSE. It's the Do only you, way. Well, yeah. or you could go public on the, o, the, the OTC. No, I mean, yes, but, there's another choice. It's, it's almost like you can drive... On the right-hand side of the road, like everybody uh, right. in the UK or on the – no, in the United States. Or you can drive on the left-hand side if you want. You can do it. Yes, you can technically go on the CSE. I, I tell everybody that's a bad idea. Do I mean the OTC? Do you mean the OTC? Yeah. What did I say? CSE. Oh, CSE. CSE. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> OTC. But CSE, yes. OTC, no. There we go. But it seems like the CSE up until the last couple of years was such a, a backwater exchange. Um, I know. Yeah, I agree with you. But it's uh, – 
There's so no better option right now. So it's the best option, and it seems to be working. That exchange, they say it st stands for the Cannabis Securities Exchange now. So it's uh, instead of Canadian. So, so, but, but, so as a U.S. retail investor, right? How, how are the disclosures the same? I mean, how do you evaluate companies on the CSE versus evaluating companies on the Nasdaq or the New York Stock Exchange? Okay, but that's not a very that's a good question because people should know the answer, but it's not a valid question because this isn't an alternative. If you're a US cannabis company, you don't have that option. So the right question is, you know, is the CSE on a disclosure basis worse than the OTC? And the answer is no. And here's the thing. If you're listing on the CSE, what do you get? You get bankers and research, so access to capital and research, and uh, liquidity, I think. And then you also can get your OTC ticker. It's, so it's not, so you, your choices are basically CSE plus OTC or OTC only. And so we're seeing, you know, some companies in the United States that are now looking to get that Canadian listing instead of being solely on the OTC. It's kind of interesting to see that. There's one example of where uh, it's happening and it doesn't seem to be working. Signal Bay is what the name of the company was. It's called EVO Labs now. It's, mm -hmm. They're headed this way, but it's, it's, it has not looked very pretty. You know, I talked to Terratech about it. I, I wish they would do it. I think it would help, but I don't know if they will. And I talked to another. I don't think I should disclose it, but I talked to somebody else today, floated that idea, and they seem pretty receptive to it. The, the Canadian market... Uh, just offers a lot, lot more than the OTC. Well, it, gets, it lets you also it gets it allows institutional Canadian investors to invest, right? I mean, you're not seeing U.S. institutions real. I mean, some of the tiny ones are dipping their toe in, but the Canadians seem to be all in. Yeah, I think a couple of years from now, this conversation will be very different. But for right now, I, th I think uh, the CSE path is a pretty smart one. Um, let's talk stock analysts for a sec. Who sure. are the best ones out there, um, the ones in the banks that you respect? Who should the investor audience be paying attention to? Um, who's, who do you read on a, on a regular basis? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I wish these people would share their information with me. So I, I can't <laughs> yes. really – I'm not going to tell you who sends me some stuff. <clears throat> but, uh, Fair enough. <laughs> but, uh, look, I think Vivian Azer does a, good, a really good job, and I respect where she's come from. But everybody needs to understand, in the United States, these analysts – if they're paying attention to the industry, and there's a few others, they're not really providing broad coverage on, on a stock level basis. It's more like for Vivian, she's, you know, her responsi main responsibilities are to cover tobacco and alcohol. And so she's coming at the space a little bit defensively for now. I'm sure over time things will change, but I think this whole federal illegality thing makes it really hard for her to really start covering the companies in the United States. So. Uh, and that would be the same case for some other people that are starting to penetrate from the United States. In Canada, without naming any names, and I, I think uh, there are a lot of people that uh, they're not 100% focused on the cannabis space, which I think uh, can make it challenging because I, I can't even keep up and I am 100% focused. And, you know, I think readers need to always understand, uh, the readers of these pa papers need to understand kind of the inherent conflicts of interest in the investment banking type things that come out. And I, I found that the, not all, but most of the Canadian analysts are younger, haven't necessarily been through things like uh, the 2000 meltdown or the 2000, even the 2008 meltdown maybe. So they, they seem to be very optimistic, I guess is what I'm trying to say, and not tempered in their outlook. 
So when you said that um, a lot of these analysts are covering it from a defensive position, are you? Do you mean like they're looking at the risks for other other companies in either the tobacco or the alcohol yeah, space? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, okay. and they're looking at more of a macro level, top down, and and even in Canada. So uh, I think. Uh, you know, the industry has been covered by, I guess, what you would call middle tier investment bankers like Canaccord that have done really well. They might not like me calling them that, but they're not like the top tier in Canada. And so BMO just started covering the space. And, you know, if you read what they did, you're not going to make any money reading BMO research. You'll, you'll understand the industry very well. So you're starting to see some really well thought out research, but it's not really at the company level yet. And certainly not helping ident you know, identify some under-the-radar company that's worth 2x or something like that, which you know we'll get there eventually. But right now, I'm not really seeing that. I think most of the thinking that's going on, the smartest people that I'm seeing, they don't share their things publicly, uh, unfortunately. And we're seeing some people that are you know, investing uh, other people's money, and they're doing the research, and they're out there in the field. They know a lot. And uh, I, I try to have good relationships with those people. So you introduced us to, to Danny Moses, um, uh -huh. who we just talked to um, last week, actually. Um, and, you know, he's called this industry now the big long. Um, do you that's think ironic. he's ironic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's it's, well, it's, yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, he comes from the big short and, right. and, and he and he was one of the smartest traders on the short side of the real estate bubble. He still thinks that there is he I mean, I think he described it as we're in the second or the third inning overall. I mean, are you still is as he talking bullish? about in the United States or is he talking about? Globally? I think it was a bit of both. I mean, I think yeah. I mean, we didn't get into the Canadians as much with him as we did with you. Yeah, I think he's more U.S. focused. Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. His his he's definitely long. Um, are, are you personally investing, um, not in the, clearly not in the companies that you work with, but are, are you playing the markets as well? Okay, so I continue to have this thing that people find either weird or comforting, but I've never invested in a public or private Canadian deal, ever. I mean, I have enough conflicts of interest as it is running New Canvas Ventures, but uh, for me to do 420 Investor the way I like to do it, which is uh, I don't want to front run. So if I owned a stock, it would make it really difficult for me to have model portfolios. So uh, that's that's what it boils down to, not wanting to front run. So the answer is no, but I'm 100% invested. This is all I do. And I bet a certain amount of career risk, uh, which uh, seems to be working out so far. But uh, So no is the answer to the question. So speaking of career risk, <laughs> in the past you pointed out the lack of professionalism among the cannabis companies. Are you seeing a shift in that? Oh, yeah. That's been a big story this year in terms of people coming from uh, all sorts of industries. It's all of a sudden cool to work in the cannabis space. And a lot of my prior comments were, uh, you know, governance related and really more focused on just the way the OTC operates. And uh, a lot of the and then if you look past the public space and the private space, I'm still hearing there's there's a big problem in the industry and it takes time to solve. Uh, you have on the one hand these financial types that come in, they're so smart and they think they know everything and they don't. And then at the other time you have these people that they, they, they know how to grow weed and they're so smart and they, <laughs> they're going to just make money because their weed is the best. They have the best grower. Come on. And so, uh, I, I think everybody's starting to realize, uh, something I've been talking about for a while, which is if you're going to invest, you better have both those angles covered. You, you better have people that really understand the industry and all the nuances uh, but also people that come from outside of industry. And I know you guys work with 
you know, Kush Bottles is a, is a client. And I mean, there's a good example of a company that seems to be bridging a lot of that. And uh, there, there's other examples as well. So, and I, I think this has improved a lot, actually. So let's let's pivot for a second, because the, the, the big uncertainty that's overhanging the industry is this regulatory uncertainty, right? I mean, there's this federal illegality. And, and even state, local. <laughs> yeah. It's a real, but let's, 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 you know, we've started to ask this of, of everybody now, which is let's, let's go under the assumption that very soon this is all going to change, right? My I, I gut, don't buy into that exactly, but okay, uh, I'll give it. All right, well, I'm going to give you, so here, I'm going to, I'm going to give you what my, you know, I'm going to be John McLaughlin for a second and I'm going to make a prediction and say, um, I think that, that. This yeah, October, yes, prediction. So I think this coming October, the president is actually going to move for a descheduling. That if the polls show that the Republicans are in for like literally getting swamped by a blue wave, that he's going to say, I'm going to claim pot for the GOP. And if I deschedule it, I can say we made pot legal. And since pot polls so high... Um, you know, 96% of Americans or 90-something percent of Americans favor medicinal access between 60 and 70% favor access to adult use, that, that, that he might think this is going to swing the polls. So now you put on, you're going to be Eleanor Clift. <laughs> okay, well, I don't watch TV unless it's about cannabis. So okay. I don't so, even know who you're talking about. But, that's uh, okay. It's an old yeah. political roundtable. But yep, you, yep, what's yep, your no, prediction? Know, what's uh, your timeline on this? Yeah. So I think you and I talked about this uh when was that? In June when we had dinner and it was a couple glasses of wine into it. And, you know, I, I respect where you're coming from and see it as a possibility, but I'm not on board that that's, it's going to play out that way. It'd be interesting. And I'll say, first of all, I'm not sure everybody wants it to play out that way, uh, selfishly. I mean, the, the, the person who just thinks people shouldn't be incarcerated and that this is all BS in me says, yeah, bring that on. The part that likes uh, doing what I do every day is a little bit concerned, and the people that operate in the industry don't necessarily want change to happen that fast. They want some time to build their businesses without uh, fear of larger, better capitalized, smarter companies coming in. So be careful what you wish for, I would say. Uh, oh, I'm not wishing for it. Yeah, I, I, it, it. You know, when the orange piece of shit does that, <laughs> it's going to really bum me out. Uh, yeah, okay, I hear you. But, well, the, the, the part of you... The, civil the social justice, part, the social yeah, justice yeah. person, the civil libertarian part yeah. says, "Yeah, it's yeah. stupid to continue to arrest people for smoking right. a joint, right?" Yeah. Um, but for somebody who is now in the industry, and and you know, you're right because, you know, if if it goes, uh, you know, legal or descheduled, to, you know, tomorrow, Constellation isn't going to invest in canopy it's just going to buy canopy okay right? let, me, let me give you the counterpoint because i mean i think your, your your thesis has some merit that we could see this kind of what i would call a green swan event where donald trump like you said senses something and decides to seize on i am issue. so stealing that by the way i, I was just gonna that. say show title oh yeah people love when i say that but so here's the deal so i got really excited uh about canada and I didn't even know it was going to legalize. I just was really excited about it back in early October of 2015. I say early October. People are like, why does he care if it's early? Because it was literally two weeks or maybe 10 days before the Canadian elections. And I had uh, Bruce Linton and several other leading LP execs at a conference on a panel I was running. 
And I think in this room that held 250 people, if we had 20 people, it was a lot. And I'm sitting here like, this is a gold mine and nobody's even listening to it. And then 10 days later, of course, and it was a surprise, but Justin Trudeau won. And the reason I bring this up is Canada essentially decided to do exactly what Donald Trump you think is going to say and do. And here we are three years later, you still can't buy it. Okay. So it's, if it even plays out the way you're saying, Lewis, it's, I think it's very complicated and they have so many issues that they need to parse in terms of who's going to regulate what, how's the taxation going to work? What's, you know, is it going to be a state by state or if they do that, would it be a federally controlled thing? I, I think it's a hundred percent, but if they do it, it takes all of the the regulatory risk out of any U.S. company, right? Eventually, so, eventually. But, yeah, but 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 if Two I'm holding, years. yeah, but even so, you're going to see a massive pop for companies like Kush or or Iantis or any of them, right? They they're going to run. Right, I agree with that. So so, but they're not going to legalize on on uh, uh, November eighth. It's it's going to you know what I mean. It, it, if that were to even happen, it will take so long. It, it, I think we're even more complex than Canada, quite frankly, because we, in Canada, you really didn't have a state legal system at all. You had basically it was uh, starting from scratch. And uh, here you, are, you have all these existing things that we need to be meshed out. And look at what's going on in California and, and soon, uh, I guess, Michigan as well, where you, it's very, it's so easy to take a state like New York and go in there where there's nothing legal and make something crappy legal and then make it better and then eventually legalize. That's a great pathway. But when you have to go in a state like California or Michigan that have been you know, state legal but unregulated for all these years, and then you have to try to fix that, that's what it's going to look like if we go to federal legality. Uh, and it's going to take probably even longer than it took Canada. Yeah, it's messy. I'm in California messy. and it's messy. It's very messy. Oh, I didn't know um, you're in California. You're lucky. I am. Why yes. you the Mets? Look, uh, I'm a Jersey girl, so I don't root for the Mets. My husband does, but she I'm a Yankee She roots for the fan. Yankees. <laughs> Got it. It's complicated. Um, it's not that complicated. <laughs> it's very simple. Your husband's a Mets fan. You should I be know, a Mets fan. I know, but I watch I watch way more Mets games than I do Yankee games. Just, you know. Hi, Steven. <laughs> hey. Uh, so sticking with predictions, which we are we shouldn't be in the prediction business, but um, if you and, – and, Alan, I hear what you're saying that you don't think it's going to happen – anytime soon, but regardless of when it happens, what does day one look like after descheduling? And then what does day like 2000 look like in the U S? Oh, wow. Uh, I think that's beyond my predictive skills. I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't even figure out what Canada is going to look like, and it's just a few months away. <laughs> well, what do you think it'll be like in Canada day one then? Because oh I, God. you know, I, you're getting so much excitement from the consumer level, at least yeah. like it's a holiday, like that will be a holiday, but, <laughs> yeah. but what do you, but, but you're saying there's going to be this, you know, it's going to be a cluster F and you know, yeah. there's no product yeah. and everything. So yeah, no stores, sounds- no product. And, uh, and n- not only no stores and no product, like what they could have, they don't even have the right products and I'm not blaming them. It is what it is. But, you know, they're starting low and going slow. They're just having simple products, not the stuff people really want, like extracts and vape pens and edibles. So it's, it already looked pretty bad that way. Uh, Ontario is the largest province by far in Canada. They don't even know what they're doing. And here we are, you know, two, two months and 16 days away. They literally don't know what they're doing. Their original plan was extremely insufficient. 
25 stores on day one to, to, for the largest province in Ontario. I wish I had these numbers at my fingertip, but it's something like 9 million uh, people live in Ontario, I think. That's off the top of my head. Big part of the Canadian line. What's that? going to be quite a line. Oh, yeah. Well, so not that many stores and, uh, and not the right products. And then I've been tracking this uh, inventory issue. These, and I just spoke to a major LP today. He said, no, you're 100% right. Nobody's got the product. And uh, so... How is that possible? They, they've known this is coming. And no, they're not big really. producers. They but they're, but they're big producers, right? I mean, they like... No. I mean, think about what you'd be saying if, 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 the, uh, if it hadn't been legalized. There was... Uh, by the time the third reading came, it, it was pretty clear it was going to happen. But even then it got delayed, by the way. But at that second reading, there was a huge shock. And, and people actually thought, and I guess it was possible, that they weren't going to legalize. And it was really on the table that this whole thing would be delayed. So when you don't know for sure that you have a market, you'd be an idiot to, to ramp up and have all that supply and make all that capital investment. But, you know, just yeah, but all, but all, but all these Canadian companies put out releases saying we've got this many thousand grams of of capacity well, that we just added. It's like okay, they're all indoors. It only takes three to four months to grow. We're not in built all- out, and Health Canada is really yeah. slow to approve this stuff. There's a whole bunch of issues. So, the, the bottom line is, they're not where they think they are or where they want to be. And investors. I think, you know, you were asking me earlier what's been the problem. I think this has been one of the issues that people have realized because everybody's all excited. Oh, this is how big the market is, and it starts on this date. It just doesn't work that way. So do you So you think that the, the uncertainty of October 17th has been priced in and that these companies have been public, punished and that once they start to sell that you might see a new appreciation in the, the Canadian LP stocks? Probably a little bit less sophisticated than that. More like, will the day traders get re-energized as we get closer to legalization? Probably yes. But I don't think all that other stuff you said, which sounded good, is actually right. It's, I think the numbers <laughs> are By the way, par for the course with me. Yeah. So I, I, do, I do think there'll be some enthusiasm. And, and people should be enthusiastic in general, right? I mean, it's very exciting. But I just don't think uh, – look, there's – I think eight companies that have gone public in the last six or seven weeks in Canada, I, I count 40, including Tilray, 40 now that are publicly traded. And, uh, you know, MedRelief just left and Haiku's going to leave. So there's a little bit going back the other way. But, uh, you know, Canopy Growth just did this massive convertible debt note, Afria on the eve of a historic Senate vote in, in Canada to legalize, dumped the largest equity offering ever. I mean, uh, insider selling is rampant. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to see what's going on here. You have really excited investors that have pretty much tapped out. And at the same time, you, you have companies still willing to raise capital. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's supply and demand and the supply of stocks winning right now. So hopefully that changes in the fall. My mother-in-law called me last week to ask me about Tilray. So uh-huh. it's definitely made the rounds wow. on oh, yeah. Long Island. Yes. Is that because it was on, on the NASDAQ? Yeah. Yeah. And she heard, she's like, I heard about this company. What do you think? Should I invest? And I was like, I am not the person to ask that question to, but. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Everybody, all my friends ask me these investing questions. And I'm like, look, if your time horizon is three to five years, probably. If your time horizon is three to five months, I don't have a freaking clue. Yep. Uh, I, so- I have a better answer than that, but. I'm oh, gonna- tell me. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm just saying that's what I do. I try to. 
Like yeah. I, I had a definite view on Tilray, and, and I was kind of wrong. I thought it was quote unquote fairly priced, and I didn't expect. Uh, I, I certainly did not expect it to double. So, uh, but you know, it's a tight float, and uh, and these things can happen. And I, maybe I underappreciated just how stupid people can be, honestly. <laughs> Hold on. And for, for those of you who don't understand what a tight float means, it means that there's a restricted number of shares that are actually available for retail investors to buy that most of the company is being held by the executives within the company. Yeah. No. In this, it's even worse because the only shares they could trade were the shares they just traded, literally. So, the, I mean, there was no way that you could short the stock uh, safely. There's no, no, no way. So... Uh, it was they were smart the way they did it. It's not necessarily smart in the long run. Uh, we've seen uh, T God uh, come out with a very tight float, and that was a TSX listed IPO, one of the few that we've seen. And that's the Green Organic Dutchman. Correct. And so, you know, what did they do? They came out with this tight float. The stock runs up, and they do an equity offering. It's even better. I mean, geniuses, right? So I don't want to criticize them too much. Their client, but th this is I don't know. It's. Uh, you know, I spend my time looking for good deals, not looking for bad deals that may get better. And I, I, I did not think Tilray was that great of a deal, and yet it doubled. So it just shows you the, the guru doesn't always get it right. But, you know, I'm not so short-term focused either. So, so but that, is that three- to five-year horizon a, a good thing? Like, it, it, I hope our audience aren't day traders, but for the people who are actually interested in the the long-term horizons. Is that what you're thinking or are you thinking shorter term? Yeah, no, me personally, I can't think that far out. Uh, I, I, I get it. And, uh, you know, people will criticize what I'm about to say and they'll just say, Alan, if you have just bought Canopy and just that's all you did a couple of years ago, well, obviously with hindsight, that that's was pretty, would have been pretty smart, right? But that's not how you build a diversified portfolio and nobody knows the future. And uh, so I, you know, I, I use something extensively in my model portfolio is called trading around the core. And so, uh, which is basically, you know, find the companies you think are worth owning. And sometimes you own more of it and other times you own less, just depending on what's going on. And Canopy was a great example. And I didn't get it right, by the way, exactly. But uh I, and I don't remember the exact sequence, but I had little or no exposure, and it was really sinking. Hard to believe if you go back and look at it, but it was around six and a half, seven dollars in Canada, uh, just uh, a year and uh, two months ago, a year and one month ago. And I loaded the boat, and and my subscribers love when I use the word pound the table because I don't use it very often. And so I basically loaded up my model portfolios and quote unquote pounded the table to really try to say, hey. This is a good company at a great price, and you need to be paying attention. And, of course, you know, it tripled or something like that, and I'm out, and then it doubles. So I look stupid, but, you know, that's the way it works. But uh, that's really what I, I, I think uh, for a lot of the listeners, they probably don't get to focus on things as, as, as tightly as, as I do or we do. So, you know, maybe that thinking longer term because you're not going to really be in a position to always be evaluating Things, but I actually think in an industry like this, which is truly startup, it really is. I mean, even Canopy Growth is a startup. It's it's a little more advanced. You know, do you really want to have the hubris to say that you know who's going to be good three to five years from now? I I, I don't. So. Well, and can we ask you to plug your your newsletter so people like my mother-in-law can can hear from you? Depends. Is she going to bother me? 
<laughs> she is not. I swear. Because I hear she bothers you a lot. And my oh mother, my God, she's wonderful. I, I, I there's no complaints here. I got so so lucky. But I will not give um, her your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. My mother-in-law, believe it or not, I was at Thanksgiving. I, I will give you that in a second. But I was at Thanksgiving, uh, and I she lives in New Mexico, and uh, we uh, so I I saw her, and we were just engaged in a, in a longer conversation than normal. And she knows obviously what I do, and. Uh, she started telling me that she owns two cannabis companies. I'm like, really? I'm like, but she didn't tell you before that. Never told me before, and uh, so I was asking her which ones. It was, they're 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 both clients of KCSA. I'll leave it at that. But uh, you know, and I, I thought they were good choices for what she was trying to do. And she's definitely not a trader or anything like that. And uh, well, I gotta be careful because people might figure out who she is. But she she told me something about buying Bitcoin too. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, oh, dude, uh, <laughs> my four, my fifteen year old son was like, "Daddy, Daddy, you must invest in Ripple." I'm like, uh, "I don't even like that wine." It's funny <laughs> wine. <laughs> uh, so they answer your question. Four twenty investors. Four two zero i n b e s t o r dot com. And uh, there's two versions. There's the full version, and then there's also a uh, a monthly newsletter that's probably more appropriate for the longer term thinkers, but for people that like direction, the full service. And we'll have links to all of that in the, in the show notes. So, um, you don't have to write it down. Um, and let's talk about Benzinga for a second. Um, so you are, um, working with them for their first cannabis investment conference in Toronto in mid August. Uh, I I have to stop you. It is actually not their first conference. I don't know if they're calling it. Just kidding. Alan, I was just testing you. Ah, no, because it's really funny. (laughs) <laughs> this, this shows you how long I've been at this. So, you know, uh, we were talking about cannabis years and dog years. So in 2014, my partners at Benzinga, they're the ones that are my partner. On, they're a Detroit-based financial media company. They uh, are my partners for 420 Investor. They're, they do the customer service and the uh, billing and platform uh, technology. And so... We decided to do a, a conference. It was called Weedstock, which I would never use that name again. But we did that in 2014. It was a crap fest, the worst companies ever. <laughs> but they were the best of the worst companies, if that makes sense. And But people loved it. And from that, uh, I've been involved with a lot of other conferences. Uh, most recently, New West, which Phil uh, Carlson from KCSA really helped out a lot with, and he's going to be working on that again this year. And it, so we, we've, we've evolved, and they reached back out to me this year because they've had a lot of success with uh, a fintech conference that they do in New York City annually. And so we decided that the time is now right. So yeah, the conference is uh, August uh, 17th is the full day, and there's a networking reception uh, the night before, and they've got some great companies there. Uh, uh, I think there's like 27 presenting companies plus a bunch of panels. And I mean, it looks fantastic to me. I'm really excited about it. Okay, Alan. So since you are a returning champion um, and you've already done puff, puff, pass, you're going to have to do it again, but we need two new puffs and one new pass. So what are the two things that you still absolutely love about the cannabis industry and uh, the one thing that's driving you nuts? Huh. So I don't even know what I said last time. It might be the exact same things, but I, I think one of the things I love about it is just how much things are changing every day. And while it's not always in the right direction, uh, we get curveballs all the time. 
I, I see the progress. Having been at this for uh, full time now, uh, for over four years, and part time for over five years, so I, I think the dynamic nature of the industry is really exciting. And then I, I mentioned, uh, I think last time, I'm now remembering, uh, uh, and this is still something that really resonates with me. I feel like in a lot of corporate America, uh, we're still struggling with things like glass ceilings and discrimination and you know, old boys network. And there's a little bit of that in the cannabis industry. And it's not perfect, I, I, I know, but it really does seem to be a progressive industry. And uh, while we've all you know, we're all familiar with the stigma of, of cannabis. It's, I think uh, that has really passed us now. And I think the industry, what I really like about it is it, it's really a progressive industry that's open to everybody uh, compared to other industries. Uh, what do I not like? Um, look, I still spend way too much of my time having to call out these scammers. And I'm, I, I do get, I enjoy it actually in a sick way, but I'd rather be <laughs> focusing my time more constructively. Unfortunately, I, I feel it's my duty to call things out still. And I wish there was less of that. So, so anybody you want to throw under the bus right now? Because I, I, I got my foot on the gas and anybody, I'm happy to back over them. <laughs> oh, well, I should be careful. I was, you know, I was sued once for $100 million and uh, it cost me a little bit of money to uh, get out of that. But obviously uh, it was a s stupid lawsuit and that company is now bankrupt. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be more broad on this, and, and there's companies out there that uh, don't file with the SEC, and this is just killing me. It's uh, This has been going on too long, and some of these companies have said they would file with the SEC. The one I'd throw under the bus right now is a company called Pot Networks. I just wrote about them recently. They're trying to change their name to Hemp Biotech. Always a good idea. I mean, they've changed their name about 10 times in the last 10 years. Wait, I thought it was going to be Crypto Hemp Biotech. Yeah, well, probably that too. But uh, so... They, you know, and of course everybody wants to blame somebody else, but this story is hilarious. They've been telling everybody for so long that they're going to get their numbers audited and that they were going to uplist. And, okay, to their credit, they got an auditor, which is more than like Medical Marijuana Inc. has ever apparently done. But they, they went with somebody that was facing litigation, and literally the week that they got this audit that I looked at, and I had seen it before, but it was finally submitted to the SEC – and it was a joke. I, I'm not an accountant, but I, I, I know enough to know it was just rife with errors. And so they shouldn't have used this company. It was not a real accounting company. And uh, what ended up happening was the, uh, they lost their PCAOB certification, and they had to de you know, pull back the filing. And so, this, I mean, my timing looked pretty good on that because uh, a week later, the stock had dropped like 25%. But... Uh, I just think there's there's a lot of companies and they you know one of the reasons they bother me is they're just so promotional and we're seeing I don't mean to pick on just them because there's a lot of these companies out there and they just suck up the air and uh, you know there's a lot going on positive in the space and for these companies to go out there they don't file with the SEC and they're uh, you know very suspicious looking businesses it just it takes away from all the positivity. Wow. Well. Let's let's finish on a positive note. Thank you. It's always a real like honestly talking with you. It's it's such a great experience. One, you're totally a great guy, um, and you've been a good friend to both me and Phil and to the firm. But more importantly, you're really really educational. You know, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't read your stuff or encounter you that doesn't say, "Wow, that guy knows a lot," and he's really accessible. And and like so, 
I appreciate we're gonna that. Wa- we're going to want you back again, um, and we'll Always do it. Happy. Let's do it after elections and see if I was right. Um, yeah, yeah that'll talk. be great. Uh, you can rub it in my face if you're right. And we'll, you know, more importantly, <laughs> we'll figure it out. If it does play out that way, we'll figure it out. I, I you know, what? I hope I'm wrong. I really yeah. do. Um, I don't know. I kind of hope you're right for the civil libertarian social justice issues. Yeah. Well, all right. So thank you to Alan Brockstein of Ford 20 Investor and New Cannabis Ventures. Um, and if you guys don't have his app on your phone, um, it is truly must read. Um, uh, Alan can be found on Twitter uh, at Invest420. And he is all over Facebook and LinkedIn. And we'll make sure to have a list of all the places to read his work um, and get in touch with Alan. No phone numbers, so nobody can track him down. Uh, <laughs> but they'll all be in our show notes. Um, and if you want to chat with me or Anne, um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at GreenRushComs. Uh, nope. We are also. Nope. Nope. At- <laughs> that know? is not our handle. Excuse me. That's what it says in the script. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> you said read the out. Did you not say read the outro? We are You're- a professional podcasting organization, Alan. Yeah, I hear that. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, at- sorry. I, I said yeah, CSC we'll and OTC. That was pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right, no, it's, we'll, it's, fix it. we'll fix it. Yes. No, no, no. It's at. KCSA underscore cannabis, as well as on our website, which is www.kcsa-cannabis.com. Um, and by the way, Nick Opich, our extraordinary producer, fixed it on the fly, in the script, real time. Thank you, Google Docs. You can also drop us an email. Um, this is correct, which is at greenrush at kcsa.com. And please, do us all a favor. If you like listening to me sound like an ass, subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcatcher. Um, and that, my friends, that's one take, Shay. One take.